Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam, AAA Adams, and I am thrilled you're here. Thank you for coming on. And we actually have a, an amazing guest on the show today who I've, I've been trying to get her on the show for probably more than a year. I'm thinking like 18 months. I've been reaching out saying, would love to have you on the show. Would love to have you on the show. He finally did it. Now, here's, yes. <laughs> here's some of what you are going to get out of today. Number one, she is a mother. She is a wife. She runs a mastermind. She attends another mastermind. And somehow, I'm not exactly sure how you can have all of these roles, but she's made it a way to do more than 100 deals, more than 100 deals, not total, but I'm talking every year, consistently year after year. If you want to learn how to do this kind of stuff, you're going to learn how to do that right now. She also runs, and she's one of the founders, and she helps run this thing called the Next Level Flipping. It's an online community. So it's a mastermind community where you go on, you pay somewhere around 5%, uh, 5% 10%, 20%, a smaller amount than like these $30,000 masterminds uh, that she and I both pay for. We both pay yeah. for these higher uh, masterminds. Now, this is like a supplemental mastermind, right? It's, it's an amazing mastermind. They add so much value there. And what it is, it's, it's some of the people like from Collective Genius, some of the people from Mike Hambright's, um, what's Mike Hambright's called again? Investor Fuel. Investor Fuel. And I should My know people. that. <laughs> Your people, right? And so it's, it's all these people from different masterminds. And you have to have at least 50 deals a, a year, each year, to be able to even be considered to be in there. But it is about the 10th of the price to join that. And they collaborate and they, they put on uh, education. They talk about... How do you sell? How do you follow up? How do you do this? How do you, what's a CRM? How do you use your CRM? What are the best CRMs to use? Like, how do you trigger this? Um, so they are finding a way to go from those 50 deals a year to like the 100 like Jamie's doing. So anyway, I am just thrilled to have her on the show today with you. She's, we're going to add, we're going to give you so much value from her. She's going to add so much value to us. How are you, Jamie? I'm good. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. And just to be clear, I was very excited about coming on. Um, I'm just, I get a little anxious about doing things like this, which is why I don't do them more often. But I'm honored that you would uh, have me on your show and I'm ready to give as much value as I can today. Well, thank you for being on the show. Tell us, uh, I know you got started in real estate. It's just mind boggling that this was in 2016 that you got started and now you're doing 100 deals plus, 100 deals plus, 100 deals plus. You've created all the systems around it. Yeah. Um, tell us like kind of the history, right? Right before you got into real estate, what was going on? And then I also want to know just how did you build your business to 100 plus each year? Right, definitely. So, Basically, what was going on before I got into this is uh, I was actually working for my father's company, and I was kind of doing like an office, uh, an office manager, you know, role. So payroll, things like that. I did that for about eight years. Previous to that, um, I, I had my daughter when I was young, so I actually had a golf marketing company and a clothing company. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, but neither one of those really panned out to what I, I could see like this big future in, right? And so, uh, you know, my dad had a company and he's like, come, come work here just, you know, a year or so, answer phones, do whatever. 
and you can find you, find what you want to do. Well, I'm a daddy's girl at heart, and so, you know, I got in there, and I didn't want to leave. I wanted to help and fix and make better and work with my dad, and uh, sooner or later, after, you know, you're looking at year seven and eight, I realized, like, I am not getting any younger. This is nowhere near a passion of mine. I'm passionate because I love working with my father and I'm a daddy's girl, but this is like not me. So, you know, I think like every other person in the world, I was watching HGTV and when we had first gotten married, we were broke. So we had to buy a home that needed work and we actually did all of the work ourselves. I didn't think of it as a business that time, but I actually liked it working with my hands and things like that. I'm from the country, so I don't mind getting dirty. I don't mind working hard. Like none of that stuff bothers me. Uh, so I just jumped in and I started telling everyone in the company I was working at, you know, I, I want to buy a house. Does anybody have a house, you know, that needs some work? They're looking to sell. Cool thing, two of the technicians at that company actually inherited a house three years prior. Uh, one brother was not living there in the, anymore. The other brother was, and it was in tax defaults. So they were going to lose their house. It was like the perfect scenario for me. Uh, so basically, you know, I ended up negotiating with them. I had no idea what I was doing, by the way. I'm just, I'm like feeling all of this out, making all the mistakes that you can. Don't know how to write up a contract, any of that fun stuff. Um, but I did. And um, about a month before that, a B2B contracting crew came by and said, we renovate, you know, spaces, houses, things like that. Here's my card. So, of course, who did I call? I called them, you know. <laughs> so, the first rehab, luckily, the contractors were very nice and honest. They were just very slow. I ended up making $30,000 on my first flip. And so, of course, I fell in love. I mean, that was almost what I was making in a year, you know, of working. Uh, so, it just kind of transpired from there. So, I, I learned how to flip first. I accidentally fell into wholesaling. I thought that was pretty sexy. Um, and then kind of just gradually hit have learned different strategies and things like that in order to, you know, be where I'm at today. So, One of my favorite things, and there's a few that I could mention just from the pre-interview today, really what we were talking about that we really, I believe that we should share right now. Um, and I hope we can get to all of them. Uh, one of the things that really stu stood out to me is when I was asking if you, if do you have rentals, do you have, do you do fix and flips? Are you wholesaling? And you actually said, I do all of them. And what I got, what I get from that is sometimes the property really tells you what to do with it. The property tells you if you need to do a lease option, a subject to hold as a rental, do an owner carry, do a, you know, owner carry back, flip it or, or go ahead and, and offload it soon. And, um, and I feel like each of these things, is like a tool that you can use, right? So, so you've got a hammer, a screwdriver, and um, what's another tool? A drill. All right, yeah. so you've got a hammer, a screwdriver, and a drill. And in some cases, you just need a screwdriver. In other cases, you've got to use that drill. And in other cases, yeah. the only way this is going to work is if you go and grab that hammer. But you can't use the wrong tool for the wrong job. And so I love that you say, you said, sometimes we do this, sometimes we do this, sometimes we do this, but it depends on what the property's telling us. Most definitely. Can you go into a little bit more detail on, on how that works, how you know what to do with the property? So once we get the property in, we'll basically kind of evaluate that as to 
you know, we kind of have like four different boxes. So, you know, owner carry definitely is going to depend on, you know, the, the homeowner, that box could be X'd out really quickly if that's not something they're interested in. Uh, Subject two is kind of maybe an only option because that's, there's not enough equity in there to do anything else with. Um, So we really kind of have three boxes. If those two are kind of checked out and that would be to flip the property, to purchase it and owner finance it out or to um, wholesale that property, Uh, keeping it as a rental as well. So kind of four boxes. We just look at like, if we flip this property, the bottom line, even if, you know, this mistake happened and this happened, we feel like we get, let's say 35,000. If we wholesale the property, we feel like we could get, you know, 25. Um, If we held it for a rental, what would, you know, our cash on cash return, you know, be with that? And what does that appreciation look like? And kind of just look at it from a bird's eye view. And usually pretty quickly, there's a, you know, kind of answer staring you very heavily in the face. Um, There's two things to that, though. You do have to keep cash flow going in your business uh, with the wholesaling model, which is our model. Uh, For me, I don't look at it as a wholesaling model necessarily, I look at it as I have a conveyor belt of inventory coming through and I get to pick, you know, which ones I want to keep in my portfolio, which ones, you know, I can be creative on, which ones I can really make a nice, you know, hit of cash to throw back into the business to keep growing it. And and that's the way that I look at it. I don't feel like unless you're marketing directly to the seller, you can never buy property, whether it's land, commercial, multifamily, anything at the prices that we're able to, you know, acquire these assets. Uh, a moment ago, it sounded like you said that it takes capital to do wholesales. I'm, I'm not sh- sure if that's what you said, but it sounded like you said that. And I remember also in the pre-interview, I, I have you quoted cash that it takes to run a wholesaling business, quote, yes. end quote. Um, yep. And so the thing that I'm talking about right now is there is a dissonance, right? I hear a lot of gurus out there saying, Wholesaling is the thing to start with because you don't need a single dime. It doesn't matter what your credit is. But now I have somebody who who wholesales like 85, 90 houses every single year that says it takes capital to do this. So could you dive into that as well? I'd love to. Um, I actually learned from that same method and same model, um, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate the mindset from where it comes from. So there's a you know low barrier to entry, and people feel like they can do all things, and that, that side of it is great. But um, in reality, if you want to create a business, um, you know, you could probably go knock doors every single day and have the gas in your tank and, you know, do that and, and make a deal or two. But to have something sustainable, to have something systematized, to not be in your daily grind each day of your business, it does take capital. If you talk to anybody that's pulling 30, 40, 50 plus, you know, wholesale deals even alone a year, there is marketing and there is expenses and there is overhead, you know, that it just comes with the territory. So on one side of the coin, yes, if you want to get out there and hustle and knock doors, you, you can come in this with not a lot of capital. Um, and basically what I did is I got a $5,000 loan and that's how I started all of it. And then I would save my money and keep saving my money, um, and only spend a small amount at a time. And that's how I built all of this up. So I didn't get some, you know, I didn't get to walk into it. So I respect that because I did come in with not much, but in order to do what we're doing as a business, there's a lot of cash needed on a monthly basis. I mean, you're talking, so, you know, people may, you know, find this interesting, but anywhere from 60 to $90,000 a month, you know, is, is what 
you know, we're having to cover um, with, with everything that we do. So it's, it's a large amount, more than what I made in a year. So <laughs> before I started doing this. That's incredible. 60,000 to 90,000 expenses, mostly on marketing, not a year, but a month. Is that what you said? Yeah. All right. Perfect. I learned, I learned a ton from you. Now, this is something that um, not most people hear about. So I'm grateful that you went into that detail. What I'd like to do to kind of further this a bit is I'd like to just lay out myself on the line and have you tell me what I did wrong because I think that it will help a few listeners if they do want to get into wholesaling. And so let me take you back uh, into 2015 or 16 when I was trying to wholesale we were putting out in marketing around two grand a month. Okay. And I think that that was around 3,000 letters. I think it was around 3,000 letters plus um, a, a list service. Okay. So we created um, five or four or five different mail letters uh, and postcards, uh, a, a, a few different of each. Okay. And and then one would go to them, and then a few days or a week later or two sometimes, uh, the second one would go, and then the third one would hit them the next week, and then the fourth one would hit, and the fifth one would hit. We were targeting specifically pre-foreclosure lists, and we tried both. We tried both non-owner-occupied, lives-in-the-state, and non-owner-occupied lives out of state. Mm-hmm. And um, again, two grand a month, every month. We did this for about, it was maybe it was 2,500 actually, because we did this for about five months. Every single month, we tried to answer the phone calls. We tried to answer them as soon as we could. We tried to book it down to everybody's house as best we could. And... Uh, when they called, we try to drop everything. I'm like, this is our lifeblood. We got to get there. So we did that. I mean, maybe we weren't perfect, but we did that as best we could with, with the children that I have and all this other stuff when we could. And sometimes I actually brought my kids once on one of these things because I'm like, this is a potential 40 grand. And if, if, if I, you know, don't get there, maybe I'll lose out. Nobody wants to miss out. So I I was like, do you mind if I have my kids with me? And they're like, no, I don't mind at all. I took them and, and they took to the kids and I got into those houses and I felt like I was fairly good at sales. Um, the objection that I continued to have was they, they just wanted a lot more for the house than I ever felt like I could pay. And so I felt like I was spinning my wheels and we were about five-ish months into spending 2500 every single month. And we finally got one wholesale, but it wasn't even from our marketing. Oh, wow. I ran a meetup group. Okay. And somebody at our meetup group said that they knew that, they, that I wanted to do some wholesales. Yeah. So they passed, they, they double wholesaled something. So I was like the second wholesaler and I found the, my, my partner and I found the buyer. You were, you were the daisy chainer. We were the daisy chainer. But you, you right. had permission. You were a permissioned daisy yes. chainer. Yes, <laughs> yes. Te- technic- technically, we bought it because it was within an LLC okay. that we, anyway, long story short, technically we bought it, but we gave, <laughs> we gave it to our partner and 
blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So we made about five grand, but okay. we spent about 15 grand. Yeah. So in six months of struggle, we were able to split negative $10,000 between three people. It wow. was a tough business for us. What, yeah. what did I do wrong? Why, why was wholesaling so hard for Adam Adams? So what market were you uh, doing that in, Adam? Denver, Colorado. Okay, so I kind of think of like Phoenix, Dallas, and Denver as very, I mean, I'd say in my mind, definitely the top 10, you know, uh, if not top five, um, kind of most competitive areas. And when I say competitive, I hate to think of saying competitive or being, you know, with competition because I really do have an abundance mindset. And I think you see that from a meetup and you actually, that's how you made your money. That was being abundant, right? Um, But I think there is more people in our industry doing it there. Um, And 2016, that's when I first started, but I did actually, I was tracking metrics um, at that time. Um, And so my deals were costing over $2,500 to get. Now you did do that consecutively, like you said. Um, I know here with the pre-foreclosure list right now, there is probably 20 or 30 either phone calls, text messages, postcards, and or probably 10 or 15 door knockers. I don't know if it was like that there in 2016. Um, I'll be honest, I've never really marketed hard to pre-foreclosures. I think it's a really easy uh, list to get. And I think that there's a lot of hungry people and not that I don't feel like I could, you know, win or beat them out with the service and value that we provide. But I also feel like there's other lanes that I can go in. that's not going to be so congested. So I can't specifically say, I don't know what your postcard looked like. I don't know who you were getting your list from. um, And I I don't know what was kind of going on in your market at that time, but I had no lead sources that were, you know, costing me $2,500 in 2016. Um, on top of that, we all heard consistency is the key and it really truly is. Um, you know, there's been a time where I like pulled out of my marketing for a couple months, you know, and I mean, you see it for the next four months. It's like, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's the same thing. Um, when you're getting started, um, I think, most of the the mentors or gurus or doers that I see uh, actually do it well. They say, listen, like, you know, your first deal, but it may take you three, four or five months to get it. Um, Now there are people that get it like their first week or even I'm sure there's an anomaly of your first phone call. Right. But um, you know, it's like be expected that you need to have this much money in the bank and, and be okay uh, to live because it may be four or five months. I know Chris Rue does wholesaling and coaches it. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, it took him four months to get his, you know, first deal and he's crushing it. So it it really is kind of that perseverance and sticking through. Uh, but you do have to have some money set aside for sure, because you don't know when that first deal will happen. Got it. Got it. So one of the things that you, that you mentioned was where are you getting your list from? So who are you really targeting? And you mentioned that I might've been targeting a, a difficult audience mostly because the list is so easy to get so yes. many different people are getting that list and so they they might be getting and i don't think this is an exaggeration they might be getting 20 to 30 phone calls and uh, oh, letters yeah. coming in before i reach out to them mm-hmm. so that might be my first mistake as i was marketing to a list that was just a lot of people were getting. So what list uh, would you recommend that if we wanted to focus on um, one of the other lists that has a little bit higher probability of, of conversion, what list right. would that be? Well, 
We've always done kind of a combination, to be honest with you. So when I first got started, um, I was pulling just stuff from ListSource um, and, and almost more of a, a larger span. I've never been one to pull small little niche lists and only rely on that. In fact, until this year, I never really pulled any niche list. I was working on more of a volume play, uh, to be honest with you, because in my mind, I thought, you know, if, if I have, you know, all 50,000, then those 3,000 are going to be on that 50,000, you know. Um, we're we're kind of revamping marketing right now uh, for 2019. A few months ago is when we did that. And so my mindset is a little bit different um, on it now. But basically, anything you can just go online and pay a small amount for, I mean, you know, most people are going to have that. And if you really pay close attention, there's so many people teaching how to wholesale. Like if they're all saying, go after these five lists, well, I mean, okay, if they're action takers, then those five lists are being hit up hard. Uh, so I don't, I can't say there's like this one special list because honestly, over time, there isn't one that just stands out to be like, wow, I can't believe this. But if I know, you know, that they can go get it for even free in one of these $50 a month services or something like that, we're going to still reach out to them, but not even close to as heavy. You know, I would rather do a larger scale than go really niche where everybody else is going. And honestly, that's very market specific, um, even county specific. So some counties will let you just click a button online and, you know, send in the, uh, you know, uh, request and you get that list. Um, some are, you know, it's like, trying to pull teeth to get something. Um, some things on list source you can pull really easily. And then others you may want to get, you know, a list provider that specializes in whether it's like probate or, you know, something like that low credit. So it just, you kind of look at barrier to entry and that's again, market specific, state specific, county specific, everybody's different. Love it. Love it. So, and, and so I really, I noticed four things from what you talked about that I might've been failing at. The first one was, who to market to, what list to market to. The second one that I noticed was the consistency. Now, yeah. I thought I was being consistent <laughs> because we were spending like as much money as we had for like five, month, five months straight, uh, maybe six months, I can't recall. But we were like putting it out, putting it out, putting it out every single month and as consistently as we thought we could. But you mentioned like, Chris, and you mentioned yourself, and you mentioned some other people. Um, I know I've had Colby, uh, Justin Colby on the, on the show, and, and it took him way longer, way, way, way longer yeah. than even four months. And now he's crushing it, right? So it's the consistency. What may I ask?
Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.